you have your Bibles, you can go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to pick up where I left off last week on a, on a message. This is going to be part two on changing the narrative. No, I'm not talking about uh, changing a political narrative. Although I want to take a look at something today that really stands out as it relates to the society and where we find ourselves. Last week I, I talked about remembering the works of the Lord. That when we, when we come into a place where, like Elisha found himself, Elijah, excuse me, Elijah found himself after facing off with 850 prophets, killing them all, seeing the fire fall, everything that took place in 1 Kings 18, now we find him in 1 Kings 19 running to Beersheba, which is the southernmost part where he could have gone. It was, then the Bible says, not only did he go to Beersheba, but he left his servant and went a day's journey, another 15 miles or so out into the wilderness. And he lays down under a broom tree. We're gonna, we're gonna pick this up here in 1 Kings 19 in just a moment. But we find Elisha dealing with the stressors of life. And he does it from a very human perspective very natural perspective. He forgets, he remembers, what he does remember is what Jezebel said. But before the end of this time tomorrow, I'm going to just watch what's going to happen. Just like you killed these prophets, I'm coming after you. And our, our response to that oftentimes in those emotional lows is that we respond with our emotions. We, we respond out of fear, we remember more what the enemy is saying about us than tuning into what God has said. And so last week, if you missed it, you can go tune into the podcast, but I spent the whole service talking about remembering the works of the Lord. So today in 1 Kings 19, we're going to pick up in verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And he went down to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey until the wilderness. And he came and he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Have you ever been there? Lord, I am over it all. I can't take it any longer. Just take my life. It's enough. You can hear Elisha's emotions screaming right now. I don't want to stop there. There's, there's a lot here. But considering where we're at in time and today, I want to move forward, move quickly. So he lay and slept under a broom tree, and suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on the coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. I want to pause for a moment there and tell you there's... There's a common Christianese saying that we say a lot. Oh, God will never give you more than you can handle. Um, FYI, that is a lie. Um, 
it, and, it, and it says it right here. The, <laughs> the journey is too great for you. Has, has the angel of the Lord, has God ever told you before the, this journey is too great for you? You can't do it. You won't make it in your own strength. Have you, I mean, those are really encouraging words, Jesus. <laughs> to, that's really encouraging. You can't make it. It's too tough. But what did the angel of the Lord tell him? He said, you need to arise and eat. This is a natural rise and eat. And, and there's something to be said about taking care of yourself physically. And, and taking, taking in nourishment and take, making sure that you're resting and all of those things. But I have a feeling that most of us settle for journeys that we know we can conquer. But Elisha was on a journey where he had to face off with some prophets. Elisha was on a journey where he was having to prophesy about a famine in the land. Elisha was on a journey that wasn't just an easy, uh, okay, an easy victory kind of journey. He was on a journey that required the supernatural intervention of God. It required the supernatural strength of God. And so I want to challenge you to get on a pathway that requires you to place a demand on the anointing. Stop living a life that's just easy. Kathy could have just said, oh, I'm good. I'll stay inside and I'll pack groceries in the, in the food pantry. There's, it's not challenging there. I can, I, you know, I'm just pulling stuff off the shelf and putting it into a bag. No big deal. But when God said, no, sister, you're going out in the parking lot. You're going to open up your mouth to not only people that are hurting, but people that are hurting and in the same place that you've been through. See, God wants to put you on a path. Where he's going to use the circumstances you faced. And he's going to paint you, apply his anointing to your life. And make it a supernatural journey. You can stay in the pit of despair. You can, you can stay on the pathway of, of nominal Christianity. Or you can step onto the path where the angel of the Lord comes to you and says, It's time to get up and eat. It's time to feast on God. It's time to feast on his presence. It's time to remember the works of the Lord. It's time to take care of yourself. Because the journey that you're on is going to make an eternal difference. See, I think you just missed it. You just missed it right there. And you missed an opportunity to shout right there. See, you're not on a journey. Elijah, Elijah wasn't on a journey just to, to get through or to get by. At the end of this story, he had a successor that he had to anoint and, and pass off his mantle to. There were some evil kings that Elijah wasn't going to deal with himself, but he was going to anoint the, the prophets. He was going to anoint the rulers who were going to take care of and kill the evil that was in the land. So there was a journey that Elijah was on to raise up the next generation of people that were going to pursue God. And it requires a generation today, a present generation, that says, I'm not going to settle for second best, but I'm going to live a life that makes an eternal difference. 
I'm going to live a life that's passionately in love with God. I'm going to live a life that sees the supernatural power and presence of God. I don't want to live just a nominal Christian life. I want to live a life where the angel says, you got to get up and feast on God. You've got to get up. you got to press in. you got to stop being lazy. you got to stop sitting back and let everybody else worship around. Elisha, you got to get up and press in because there's a journey on, a, on ahead of you. And so I, I want to tell you this morning to wake up and to press in and to feast on God and find yourself passionately in love with Him. You're on a journey that's making an eternal difference. We allow the Jezebels in our life, if we're not careful, to tell us things that get us off the path of supernatural onto nominal. We allow the world around us, society around us, culture around us to tell us things, to quiet us down. People are living in so much fear. They, 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 Christians are afraid to even post on Facebook what they believe be out of fear that somebody's going to attack them for what they posted on, on social media. Who cares? It's Facebook. Who cares? I'm not talking about political opinions. Listen, if you blast your political opinion more than you do the name of Jesus, there's a problem. You're on the nominal path. Just saying. I believe in making stands, but but let's preach the name of Jesus. Let's tell a lost and dying world that Jesus came to save and to heal and to deliver and to baptize them in the Holy Ghost. And that that same Jesus that rose in the book of Acts and ascended into heaven is the same Jesus that's coming back. Let's tell a story that's going to matter for eternity. You and I are on an eternal path. And we need to be reminded that we need to take care of ourselves, to take an account and make sure that we're taking care of ourselves spiritually, physically, every way, so that we can run a supernatural path. I, 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 I just I feel this burning with me just just a moment. Let me read this again in verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. Supernatural journey. Now, I, I, I want to just recognize here for a moment that the journey that he actually went on, this 40, he, this 40 day journey, that's about twice as long as it needed to take. Just to, I just wanna point out here that where, where Elijah was in Beersheba all the way to Mount Sinai, which is Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, about a 20 maybe day journey, 15 to 20 day journey 
took him 40 days. I, I think that tells us something really powerful about a supernatural journey with God. Is sometimes he doesn't go at the speed we think he needs to. Come on, Elijah, you got supernatural food in your belly. You got some of that heavenly manna. You outran Ahab's chariot before. Certainly you could move a little quicker. It took you twice as long to get to the mountain of God. He makes all things beautiful in his time. Just remember that. You're on a supernatural journey. And he's working all things out in your life in his timing. He's supplying you both the bread for eating, the bread for nourishment, and the bread for sowing, the seed for sowing. He's taking care of every step of the process. Now, this is where I wanted to get to, verse 11. In 1 Kings 19, verse 11, it says this, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Pause. It's interesting because Elijah is on Mount Sinai, the same place where Moses had all these same encounters. And we know that the Lord spoke to Moses through the wind and the fire and the mountain was moving and all these things. We know that God speaks in those times. But here he chooses not to. We know that in the New Testament we see the wind and the fire. We see the house where they were praying, shaking as they prayed and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We see that God uses these manifestations of his presence and in many ways throughout scripture, throughout history. But here in this moment, it says this, And after the fire, a still small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. And he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Notice the wind, the fire, and the earthquake didn't cause Elijah to cover his face out of awe and wonder. It was the still small voice that came to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Such a powerful question. And the Lord is asking us that question today. We're on a supernatural journey. And people, the world all around us, I feel are watching the earthquake, the fire, and the windstorms. But they're missing the still small voice. We have a world that's wrapped up in who the next president's going to be, what storm is now named in the Gulf or wherever else, the next fire that's burning in Colorado or California. We've got, we're, we're enamored by all of these things. And I believe that maybe God is yelling in the midst of them. And we're expecting to see some flashing light sign or some solution that's going to fix it all. And all the while, Jesus in the still small voice 
is looking at the church, his children, and he's saying, what are you doing here? I don't know, you know, there's a lot of ways to ask that question. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You know, you, there's, there's a lot of, in our English language, there's a lot of inflection and the tone we use and how we end it. And there's a lot of ways you can ask a, a question. But there's such power in this question because he says, in essence, to Elijah, what's your identity? He's just not asking about a physical location. He's asking about who he is. You see, a lot of times God asks us questions and we think, oh, well, that, and we give an answer. You know, it's whatever the surface seems. But it's something deeper. Elijah had to face in that moment something deeper. What am I doing here? What am I? Who am I that brought me to this place? Was it fear? Was it worry? What, what was happening on the inside of me that brought me to this mountain? And notice all along, God's working it out. God, God brings him to the mountain of the Lord. He's leading him the whole time. But there was something on the inside of Elijah that started that journey. And it goes all the way back to a woman named Jezebel who was feeding him a bunch of lies. And he had to recognize in that moment, I've believed a lie. And what's brought me here today is not the truth of who God's called me to be, but the lie that someone's spoken over me. I've been running for my life. And I thought that if I could just get to the mountain of the Lord, I'd find protection. I'd find safety. And when I got to the mountain of the Lord, he's covered me in the cleft of his rock. He's been my shield. He is my fortress. But while I'm in the rock, while I'm hiding myself in Christ, he's got something to say about it too. While I'm finding myself hidden in the rock, while I find myself hidden on the mountain of God, he's got a question that I need to answer. What are you doing here? And I think today in society that... God is asking us the question, what are you doing here? Who are you in the middle of life's storms when the earthquakes are rumbling and the fires are burning and the politics are stirring and all of life is happening? Who are you in this moment? What's your identity? What's your calling? What's your purpose? It's interesting.